Back to the block, Snoop Doggy Dog, Monkey at the, the, the dock. Went solo on it, but it's still the same. Long Beach is the spot where I serve my cane. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, but don't lose your grip. Nine Trizzy, the years in for me to. So I ain't holding nothing back, and I got five on the 20 track. It's like that, and as a matter of fact, cha -cha -cha. cause I never hesitate to put a on his back. Yeah, so keep out the manuscript. You see that it's a must we drop gangsta. What's the name? On this day in 1993, Snoop Doggy Dog releases his highly anticipated debut album, Doggy Style. Uh, it went straight to number one in the US, produced by Dr. Dre. It has become one of the great albums in the modern era. Uh, putting your hands in the air like you just don't care, Joe McCall, or hashtag not a fan. <laughs> hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm on the fence. What, to what's, say. what's to be on the fence about? You listen to art. Yeah, yeah. Liam? Well, you know, more of an East Coast rap guy, you know, than the West Coast. Oh, you're more so. East Coast. Mm. Yeah. Very good. Not me. West Coast. Thanks, <laughs> Liam. Yeah, I uh, thought you were going to play the whole song for a minute there, Wallace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it was certified quadruple platinum in 94 with this uh, song here and also Gin and Juice. And Snoop's been in the spotlight, lady, for narrating planet Earth, narrating film interactions between seals and penguins, otters and crocodiles, martins and squirrels. Fans loved it so much, they started a petition that asked Snoop Dogg to narrate a whole season of planet earth uh, and one of snoop's biggest fans is get this david attenborough <laughs> how about really? that yes indeed uh now uh response to crocs quite a few uh crocs make sense in uh northland schools where it is too hot for shoes and too wet for roman sandals says tanya grant says nah mate jandlers all the way Catherine says, Crocs, never ever, ever should they be worn out. Garden okay, home okay, uh, nowhere else. Uh, someone says, why do Crocs have holes? So that your last shred of dignity can drain away. Uh, you're on the panel, RNZ National, Liam here and Joe McCarroll with me uh, this afternoon. The great jib shortage of 2022 back in June. Plasterball was in the news every other day. Haven't heard anything for months. Does this mean the task force that the government set up in June worked? Well, they seem to think so. They've set up another one to deal with other critical material shortages announced today. Building Industry Federation Chief Executive Julian Lees, he's on the task force. Julian, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. How are you? Very, very well indeed. Now, critical materials, what are they? Oh, well, look... Um they are many and varied, Wallace, um, but there are there are some core ones. You know, we, we, we know plasterboard's essential. There's fibre cement, there's structural timber, plywood. The list goes on. There's, there's insulation. So it's all those core things that, that go into making our houses, our critical infrastructure, our buildings. Um, this, this task force really has come out of that plasterboard shortage. It's the recognition that our building sector is very dependent on the global supply chain. You know, we uh, import 90% of our building materials, um, but we also have, as we've seen with plasterboard, sometimes bottlenecks arise when some um, products are, you know, concentrated. And that's also why the 
Commerce Commission is doing its uh, draft uh, or doing its market study into the residential building supplies market. So this is quite timely. Um, it's about proactively trying to look ahead so we don't have another sector issue like we had with last well, board. it was extraordinary, Julian. Let me just say it was uh, a heck of a story and something I think I'll remember for quite some time, you know, the year that jib went away. <laughs> you know, it was every second day. It was quite something. So how are we now on jib? We are good. And look, um, it, it's it's now come back to like an equilibrium. Uh, that's a combination of catching up on the demand that we had post-lockdown. That's the uh, importation of other uh, substitute jib uh, or plasterboard products. And that's also Winston Warboards doing a you know extra effort to produce more for the market. It's a combination of things. Um, but look, that said... Uh, it's not just plasterboard. There are other things. We've we've had shortages uh, or supply issues around structural timber, steel, a bunch of things. So it's about how do we make sure that those emerging supply risks are mitigated before they actually happen again. Julian, there'll be people listening who are sort of groaning and saying another task force. Mm. You know, how will this be a way to achieve effective um, outcomes rather than just talk about the problem? Well, look, I've got to say, personally, it's it's the only task force I'm on. Uh, and, and I think this one is very focused and very practically minded, but both by the 10 members that are on it um, that represent, you know, key parts of the industry, but also I think its actual mandate. Uh, you know, it's looking at three things. It's looking at emerging risks. It's looking at process design. So that's how do we you know, get other products that are already certified overseas, can, can we bring them into this market without going through another certification process, which we can, and also watching briefs. So it's getting people on this uh, task force, like, like myself and others, to really uh, look out for those sort of factors that might indicate that there is demand for specific materials or products, but also what, what things can we do in terms of innovation uh, and to you know, increase productivity to, to use that combined knowledge. So I think this one actually will be, I think we'll be pleasantly surprised at how effective it, it actually is. Liam? Yeah, well, can I, can I just say that the, um, you know, if you're rolling your eyes at the innumerable sort of working groups and, ta- and task force, don't point your finger at um, the, uh, the plasterboard task force because it did a really, really good job, you know, and talking to people mm. um, who sort of who know about it, who are in the know, it really sounds like, um, you know, there was some real, really good progress in terms of getting officials to see the problems and to do things about it. Um, so, you know, take the template that worked and, and use it again, you know. I mean, it's uh, not, not all tasks forced to create equal. <laughs> if you've got a model that's proven to work... <laughs> Again. Yeah, I'd like to know. Yeah. I'd like to know because it, it was deemed to be fairly successful. The plasterboard task force. What did we learn from that? Well, look, I think we learned a couple of things. One, we learned that there are alternate products. We also looked at what are the ways to make it easier to bring products into the market. Um, so, for example, you know, Section Two Six Two of the Building Act. Um, and also, how, how, do we, how can we work better with our uh, building consent authorities, our councils, to actually uh, help them realise that some of these other products are just as good, um, as long as they meet standard or are certified by you know, sort of, um, bodies overseas. So it, it, I think it, it taught us also that, uh, you know, rather than putting 
all your eggs in one basket necessarily, that, that there are actually other, it's good to have diversification. It's good to shop around and it's certainly good to plan ahead. And, and I guess that's building and making the um, building supply chain much stronger, Wallace. Gillian, how um, much do you think that jib crisis was um, external factors beyond our control and how much of it was just a situation where the supply of jib was almost entirely controlled by mm. one company? Good question. Look, I actually do think it was a combination of things. So I think it was one of those sort of perfect storm scenarios where we had, you know, people putting in multiple orders. So, so it skewed the whole supply chain. We had, we came out of a, you know, particularly severe lockdown. We've got, you know, one sort of, well, we had one sort of manufacturer of the product who was uh, having to catch up. It was just, I think, when you had all those things together, which probably might not happen again quite in that same way, it, it produced the results it did on top of demand, crazy demand, and then hoarding. You know, I mean, I think I, I know anecdotally stories of where people were just hoarding that, uh, you know, that white gold like crazy, and it just completely skewed the market and produced the result that it did. But we're, yeah. but we're over it now. Leo. So, so t- tell me if I'm wrong, but I understand that one of the outcomes of the plasterboard ta- task force was that um, Kaiang Aura bought plasterboard from an importer, not just from Fletcher's. And, you know, that that's something that, you know, results from, you know, external pressure and from people in the industry combined with, you know, public support for it. I mean, that just seems to me just like a huge positive outcome. And um, and was that, and, and, and that must have been a, a, a big part of how we got over this crisis. Yeah, yeah. Look, you know, again, um, Kangora uh, contracts out all of its um, building to, to other people, but but um, that just shows, you know, when you uh, you know uh, introduce competition and you give people a sense that there there are other alternatives out there, then you uh, produce good good outcomes, and and I think that that is part of what we're seeing in this market, and I think we'll, we'll see that also when the uh, Commerce Commission puts out its final report on, the, I think, the 7th of next month. Um, yeah, um, we, we want to encourage competition and diversification, so we, um, you know, people have choices to make, and uh, that's good. That's good for any sector. Uh, some people are saying this is all very well, but the price of all jib products is rising by 15% from Feb next year. So along with nearly everything else in the country, there are those uh, uh, pressures of inflation as well. Just finally, Jordan, I think one uh, key thing that I took from uh, the whole jib discussion uh, this year wasn't, was that it actually wasn't just it wasn't about jib. It was about plasterboard. And there are other products, and it highlighted the fact that there are other products on the market. Yes, indeed. Yeah, look, um, and look to your issue about price. Yeah, look, that that is just a, um, a fact that we're seeing, as you said, across the board. And it's it, you know, there's a whole range of issues that, that are driving that. But but you know, we we have a market that has that that is, I believe, competitive and will become more so. And, and what this has taught us is that it is good to actually have, you know, a range of uh, different alternate products to choose from. And that, that means that the architects, specifiers, 
everybody, I think, is, is much more educated now. Choice. In terms of, um, Choice, Choice, Julian. Absolutely. Good on you. Choice All right. is fantastic. <laughs> Julian Lee's there, Building Industry Federation Chief Executive uh, on the panel. It's 15 to 5. The panel, RNZ National, before we move on, uh, quite a bit of response regarding uh, footwear. Um, school Roman sandals are cheap, nasty. They have no support. They're bad for young people's feet, is this person's point of view. I really want to talk about that. I have to discuss because I always thought growing up, Roman sandals were terrible to walk in. Always terrible. But this is the comment of the afternoon. It's by Sven. Listen to this. I had to do everything to keep driving safely because I was laughing so much when a leather-clad motorcyclist on a Harley Davidson passed me wearing Crocs. You're on the panel, RNZ National. Heavy rain has been causing a lot of slips lately. Big slip in Stanley Bay, right beneath three townhouses. Goodness, have you seen those photos? What happens if you wake up and your backyard has disappeared down the bank? Joanna Pigeon is a specialist property lawyer and director at Pigeon Judd. Kia ora, Joanna. Kia ora. I can only imagine I'm waking up to subtropical rain pouring down in the bay in Tamaki Makaurau, I think of the story slips, and I'm thinking this issue is just going to get more and more important. That's right. Um, with, with global warming and climate change, yeah. I think you're right. It is going to become more common. What are your concerns here? Well, as a property lawyer, um, there are there are property issues when it happens, but. Really, the first thing, if, if something like that happens, is safety. You really need to get out of a property and evacuate, warn your neighbours. Um, and I guess you've got to make an assessment. Is a building or, or a public road at risk? Do you need to not dial 111 to, to alert? Um, and then I guess once you've done that, you're starting to deal with the more property damage issues. And I guess this issue, this is where it gets a little bit complicated and quite complex, you know, and there are people who've had to deal with it. Nelson, there are quite a few homes that were uh, lost to slips. You've got uh, quite a few cliffs around uh, Auckland here that, you know, really face this problem in a, in a near-term future. What does one do if you have a slip in the backyard? May not take out your home, might not be near to the home, but you have lost a chunk of land down the cliff. Well, the, the good news is um, EQC have actually just increased their, their caps that they pay out on. So if you do have damage to, to land, and that's not your, your dwelling, you get up to um, 300,000 plus GST. But there are a couple of fish hooks. So it covers the land under your home in any outbuildings within eight metres um, and also land supporting your main access way up to 60 metres. So if you've got a really long driveway, it might not be fully covered. And, and it also right. covers some retaining walls um, if they're protecting your home. So that that's the only protection we have in relation to land. Um, so that's EQC provides cover in that situation. And then, of course, if it's damage to your house, you'll be calling your insurer. Joanna, is that really a good thing? I mean, obviously it is for these individual homeowners who are affected, but are we not just sort of propping up houses that are built on unsustainable land? Well, it is an interesting question. I read in the paper earlier this week about um, some 
consent's being applied for in, I think it was Napier, on, on flood-prone land. There's certainly an issue that needs to be considered and debated if, if some sites aren't suitable for building, should building consents be issued. But you have, um, with all, all things like rising sea levels, other issues of instability, how do we manage the retreat? If you have a home um, and, and a place that um, has issues, um, certainly you, you, if it is unsafe, um, council would usually um, sticker it. But I guess in situations like this, these people didn't know that their properties were possibly unsafe until until the slip happened. Oh, yes. Liam? Well, you know, it's one property lawyer to another. Um, <laughs> wouldn't you say this does... <laughs> Although, you know, there's absolutely nothing I can add, but apart from to say that, um, you know, when people are buying houses, they should do the you know, due diligence they do. is never going to be perfect. But, um, you know, certainly in the part of the country where I am, um, is people very, very rarely do get um, a limb. Um, from the uh, from the council, and that just may be that the limb does actually uh, give you some warning of uh, slip or erosion risk, and uh, you know people really should uh, should be should be getting those. Uh, wouldn't you agree? I would agree, and I actually note that there's some legislation that's just been um, introduced into Parliament to make limbs clearer, more easy to understand. We so, discussed uh, it I'll yesterday. Some, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll be making some submissions on that. But it is really important that people know and understand, and I think we are going to be facing, um, when they're buying properties, but we are going to be facing um, a time when I think insurance costs are going to more accurately reflect risk and so on in the years to come. But Joanna, do you think having it on the limb would really dissuade people? I mean, New Zealanders Mm. have a love affair with coastal property and that idea of a property that looks out over the sea or a batch or a crab that's on the water's edge, I mean, for a lot of people that would be a dream come true. What a conundrum this is. So I have seen um, some houses that are are built that are actually movable. So as the... um, See advances, they plan to roll them further back on the property so that they don't give up that dream. But people do need to understand that sometimes these properties won't be insurable or if they are, the costs might be prohibitive. Um, and, and that's something as, as councils sort of project into the future what these issues, um, how they will affect people. Um, people are going to have to take that into account. Very good, anyway, Joanna. We quite often recommend people do something and, or, or give them advice and they don't always take it. Ah. Kia ora, Joanna. Nice to have you on the program. <laughs> we'll be like snails just yeah. moving our house gradually. <laughs> if you have wheels Human in your house. It will be underwater. Yeah, Joanna Pigeon there, specialist property lawyer. Uh, Philip says uh, Crocs are super comfortable. Roman sandals are torture. Uh, the chef ones with no holes are the way to go. Oh, that's interesting. Are there crocs with no holes? This deepens. I think there are crocs that are designed especially for um, medical workers yeah. that have no holes because it's not safe. Ah, uh, gotcha. Comes back to that comfortable thing. Anyway, 8 to 5, the panel, RNZ National. We have Liam here and Joe McHale this afternoon. And by the way, tomorrow is Power Ballad Friday. Text me with your suggestions. But this... Well, it melted our hearts. It's just the thing we need to talk about on the panel. A musical tour. And we're not talking Eden Park. We're not talking the Trafalgar Centre. 
we're talking a rest home tour. The student performers of Bathgate Park School Room 13 have just completed the rest home tour 2022, bringing the house down with their finale song. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me Organiser and music facilitator at Bathgate Park School, Hiliako Iahito. Malo ni, Hiliako. Oh, yeah. Ni from Bolovanako, brother. Malo. How are you doing? Doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you, Walter. This melted my heart when I heard about this. A rest home tour 2022. Tell us about it. Okay. Well, um, at Basque Park School in uh, South Dunedin. Um, we've been doing this, uh, started about 2015, um, and then, of course, there was a pause in 2019. Um, and then COVID happened, and as we are experiencing all of these changes, uh, we uh, were able to pick it up again at this year. So we started plotting from the end of last term, and um, it, we just finished yesterday. Yesterday was our last performance at uh, Franz Hodgkins. Tell us what happens. Uh, um, well, the, the children, the students were able to put together a set and a, a mix of uh, kapaka songs and, um, and some old school favourite songs mm. and, uh, of course, a, a Christmas song because we're getting close to Christmas. And then our finale song is uh, You Are My Sunshine, which is when... Everybody in the residents is really joined in and, yeah, just um, sharing a bit of love, really, I suppose, as we're going through these times and, yeah, it was, uh, it was a great experience. Hilako, um, I'm sure that's something that residents in aged care communities would love, but what mm. do the kids get from it? <laughs> what do the kids get from it? I suppose the kids actually get the experience of actually... Um, Visiting these uh, these spaces, which not often or maybe not many of them will get to experience on meeting uh, the elders, which is an important part of our community. Mm-hmm. So they were able to um, to bring themselves, and you know, uh, I know that the elders really love seeing the children. You know, they're missing, um, and and in return, they do get treats. The kids work out; they get treats, and sometimes they get ice cream, and then they get an envelope for their time, and. Uh, a koha for, you know, and acknowledging their time. And, uh, but I think more so is, is really just the experience that they get to, um, you know, serve in their community. You know, they yeah. get to, to share a bit of love and, you know, just hang out. I love it. Uh, because of COVID, they couldn't really mix and mingle, like, as part of our tour. And, you know, mm. after the performance, they could just say uh, hello and even read a book or share stories, you know. Sharing stories, young and old. The Rest Home yeah. Tour 2022, Liam. Yeah. Oh, it sounds awesome, and um, you know, so I mean, it must be great to have, you know, have 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 forgo it for a couple of years, um, and uh, you know, were there were there any people who had um, who, who could who could remember the last ones who were welcoming welcoming people back, or were they all new faces? Um, very good question. Then um, there were some familiar faces, but uh, the crew that we went out this time, they obviously none of them had been out on this before, but I know that a lot of the rest homes um, have been asking ab- about when would Basque yeah. Park School, and I get these mes- messages via the uh, uh, Division of Therapists or the contacts that I have in these spaces. Um, so, yeah. In demand, in, de- in demand, Joe. 
it's, it's great. It's a, you know, it's a great opportunity for, for these part of our communities and the younger generations who age. I'm just thinking, though, about what you said, Halako, where the children don't get much opportunity to spend time with older people, older adults. That seems quite sad to me, like that we are so sort of um, divided along mm. age lines. We're not getting the chance to connect and learn from each other and to, um, yeah, to, to take, you know, to take and to give from each one generation to the next. Yeah, um, well, it's reality, really. I suppose, like, some children may experience going to visit their grandparents or get a family member in a rest home, maybe sometime. But um, but in different cultures as well, like for myself, my speaker, it's um, you know, this is quite a foreign concept to me. However, this is the reality that yeah. um, part of our community lives in here. So, and I'm starting to see a few more of our own, of our people in those in those spaces. It's wonderful, um, Helioka, to have you here. You know, and that idea of connecting between yeah. our young and our seniors, because that's yeah. what it's all about, isn't it? Exactly, that's what it's all about. I need to share a bit of love, and you know, um, yeah. Good on you, Helioko. Well, we've got a little bit of uh, sunshine coming up for you here. Hey, thanks for being with us on the panel. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you so very much for the time, you know. Very good indeed. Thursday afternoon with Liam here and Joe McCarry. You've been wonderful, both of you. Thank you very much. I'm Wallace Chapman, back tomorrow, Friday, 3.45, Checkpoint. Up next. Don't take my sunshine. Oh.